This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Monday morning to you. It's uh, November the 7th. Jesperson in with Hicks this morning. One of those days. <laughs> we're uh, <laughs> we're 15 seconds removed from a significant coffee spill uh, by the host of this show. <laughs> My hands are still uh, sopping wet. Uh, the good news is it was not on to our beautiful studio table, the table by Urban Timber. We have strict rules in studio around this table, including mandatory coaster policies and the like. Uh, yes. Thank goodness I was topping up my coffee mug over the floor, mm-hmm. not the table today. So I'm fine. <laughs> f- I'm counting my blessings. I'm finding the silver linings. A good Monday morning to all of you. How was your weekend, pal? Good? It was okay. How was yours? I had a relaxing one. I didn't DJ it's, any events. It's not true first that you had a relaxing weekend. First time since I've been back. Because I didn't, you said, because I didn't go get a, a pedicure or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, exactly. You were, uh, you've been doing so much for us around here. And we were, we, mm-hmm. we, we felt like as a, as a group, we needed to order you to take it easy and put your feet up this weekend. But I'm starting to figure out that you just can't do it. I did. I just, you know, I just, you know, taking it easy for me is just watching 63 episodes of Seinfeld and yeah, sleeping yeah. in, you know? Yeah. So I had a good weekend. Don't good worry. Good stuff. I'm happy to hear it. We were, <laughs> we were, we're in the transition phase of, of uh, you know, moving on from, from Halloween to Christmas. And I know a lot of people are like November 1st at 7 o'clock in the morning. They have all of Halloween torn down. But we spent mm. this weekend, uh, we had a significant gaggle of jack-o'-lanterns and, and, and pumpkins and all of the, you know, the squash, like the fall decor. Had to get them put away. Had to get them all put away. And you know these things, they can freeze onto your front steps if you leave them there too long. And then they're like a permanent <laughs> winter installation. So we did our best to take care of them. Yeah, we did the same thing. We uh, got rid of the pumpkins on the step and got out all the uh, Christmas boxes. We're not putting anything up till after uh, Remembrance Day, but they're all sitting in yeah. the uh, spare room ready to go through. So. Yeah, good stuff. That's a, a reminder for us uh, to mention. Uh, it might be obvious, but we never want to assume that's the case. Uh, this November 11th happens to fall on a Friday. Uh, either way, we would obviously be covering it on Real Talk, but this Friday, our official Real Talk roundtable presented by Urban Timber will uh, celebrate, recognize, and, and, and essentially show gratitude for what Canadian veterans Uh, have sacrificed, have given to this country. Uh, We're going to find a couple of pretty interesting angles on this. I don't know if you remember, last year, last November 11th, we talked to an author by the name of Don Levers, and we talked to Don about his new book, and there was a photo on the cover, an archive photo uh, from the Second World War. We had an audience member, a real talker, reach out and say, we're pretty sure we know who is in that photo. Oh, really? And Don had been unsure oh, at that point. Like he was, he was like yeah. vaguely familiar, but mm-hmm. he was he was unsure about the backstory behind the photo. Well, long story short, those two families have connected since. Oh wow! And we're working on getting both of them on the show. Awesome. If not both, we're at least going to catch up with Don and get an update on that. We're seeing if the family wants to talk about it. But mm-hmm. but like just an amazing story as as uh, people continue to endeavor to learn and understand more about that, uh, lest we forget. So that's coming up on Friday on the show. Uh, a little bit later on in today's 
program. Uh, I guess in about 25 minutes time or so, we'll check in with Emmy Award winning talk host Charles Adler. And in just a moment, uh, we're going to check in with Dr. Dwayne Brad as well, a political scientist out of Mount Royal University in Calgary. Uh, this is an explosive story. Obviously, uh, to say the least, uh, Calgary City Councilor Sean Chu, you, you probably, I mean, if you listen to this show, if you pay attention to, to news in Western Canada, you know that the city councilor is, is occupying office amid great controversy as details around a sexual assault that occurred while he was a Calgary police officer years ago involving a 16-year-old girl. Uh, those details surfaced literally like hours after Chu uh, won his seat or kept his seat on Calgary's city council. You remember we talked to Dr. Jody Gondek, Mayor Gondek, about that the morning after the election? And there was a great degree, there remains a great degree of controversy. Uh, the mayor suggesting that he should not even swore, swear in, that, that, that he should resign. It's been trending. Sean Chu must resign. Well, the survivor in this case... Uh, the woman who has been uh, largely out of the spotlight, and you can understand why, has taken to Twitter over the past few days uh, from the account HHCalgary97. And Dr. Bratt has some unique insight on this story because, well, he's had a number of conversations with HH. Now, some of those are going to remain off the record in private, but Dr. Bratt's going to take us into this story and while it may seem gauche to say what are the political ramifications of these disclosures and this promise of more from HH, it's relevant because this involves a sitting city councilor. And so this is a story that we're going to tackle today. We're also paying attention to news that's going on around us. I'm, uh, we have pulled that Christia Freeland clip. You've probably, if you stayed engaged over the weekend, if you were watching oh, the man. news, you probably heard her talking about her <laughs> Disney Plus subscription. I, let me just say, um, there, there are politicians that I like and admire with regards to how they politic and how they carry themselves and how they operate. Yeah. And, and typically, and, and uh, Deputy Prime Minister Freeland has been a guest on this show several times, uh, and, and I've always appreciated her candor, and I've always appreciated the way she communicates. This one, I think I get what she was getting at, but I feel like it missed the mark. Should we tee it up now and then we can play it again with Adler? Because I'm curious to know how this is going to land with him. She's talking about costs rising for Canadian families. She's talking about budgeting. She's talking about inflation and the like. And well, basically, here was kind of a real life example that she came up with. And I think Canadian families are looking really closely at all of their expenses. I personally, as a mother and wife, look carefully at my credit card bill once a month. And last Sunday, I said to the kids, you're older now. You don't want to watch Disney anymore. Let's cut that Disney Plus subscription. So we cut it. It's only $13.99 a month that we're saving. But every little bit helps. And I think every mother in Canada is doing that right now. Okay. <laughs> so what do you think? Well, I don't think she's watched uh, Disney Plus in a while because it's not just Disney anymore. I mean, I watched, I was watching Sons of Anarchy on Disney this weekend, a couple episodes. So uh, 
I think but do you think like with regards to pe- people are saying it, it, it's it's it feels a little tone deaf for the finance minister who makes you yeah. know, more than a quarter million. He makes like 270 grand a year on yeah. salary and like yeah. has a number of different homes and has mm-hmm. all the, the resources that a federal cabinet minister has. Is it a little bit dismissive or overly simplistic to, to simply suggest that people should unsubscribe or drop their subscription from Disney Plus? hundred percent. And it, what? Fifteen bucks is going to buy Christmas presents this year. It's it's like it's, yeah. it's nothing. I can't. So. I think I, I feel like, and I'm not trying to kind of uh, what am I saying? Play it safe on this one. I'm not trying to. You know, I mean, I'll plant my flag if I feel like there's a flag to be planted. I get where the critics are coming from. I get where she's coming from. Uh, if you're trying to find efficiencies, and if you're trying to find a, a, a you know a sort of a budget approach for your family, where do you start? You start with the obvious things. You start with the things that are that are easy and simple. I mean, we're all we were talking about this last week. Some of us, I'm sure maybe a lot of us are carrying these these monthly charges for things that we haven't thought about in a while. And, th- and that's a good place to start. Some people will turn their their thermostat down by a degree or two degrees in their home to try to save a little bit on natural gas. Or some people will be more diligent in, in turning the lights off in rooms when they leave. Heck, some people, you know, if it's uh, what is it? If it's yellow, let it mellow. If it's brown, flush it down. Oh, those are cottage rules. Right you know, there. cottage yeah. rules right there. Those are also money saving tips. You know, if you want to save on your water bill and your hydro bills. Right. So so I get where she's coming from. At the same time, I get people. So it's it's sort of like a, a let the meat cake type moment. You know, if you if if you're taking a, a certain spot on the spectrum on this one. It's 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 sort of like I understand the stress and here's how my family dealt with it. You know, right before chef prepared us our three-course meal. Uh, now, I, you can let us know what you think on this. We'll check in the live chat on this and 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 of course you can send us an email anytime. That's what Ron did as well talking about a rise in anti-semitism the way he sees it. We'll get into this a little bit later on in the show. And then a message as well from Devin. Uh Devin uh was he and his family on on the road, they were on their way uh, to Toronto and uh, and ran into this this snafu, this big mess with WestJet. And uh, I appreciated that Devin kept us in the know on that. We'll get to his message, and, and you never know. I'm sure that this is going to land, pun totally intended, with several of you, those of you that were on the road, maybe listening to this podcast from an airport departures lounge. We'd love to hear from you as well. Dr. Dwayne Bratt coming up in just a second. Before we get to him, wanted to mention that, of course, these conversations happen because of sponsors like our friends at Friesen Brothers and I happen to know that you did a little shop yesterday because you let me know you came across a couple of were these new items to you they weren't new items but uh, just uh, you know I'm always uh, looking out for the 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 vegans the vegetarians but just people who are into health and wellness they've got a lot of options me and the wife went and snagged some just egg there which is like a Kind of like having scrambled eggs without the uh, without the egg. Is it pretty good? Yeah, we got the holiday nog. We're already in there. Ooh. We're trying it out. That's with coconut milk. Uh, my wife got a uh, soybean uh, dasher, which is kind of a, a holiday uh, chocolate that's already out. She's right into the holidays. And we're making lasagna this week, so we got some brown rice, gluten-free pasta. My wife's all in the gluten-free right now, which means I'm gluten-free, but... I still said, you know, Johnny needs his past. A hundred percent. You know what, man? The plant-based families that tune into Real Talk totally appreciate Freeze these updates. Rose. I love that Great you're doing options. it. So you found that at which store? Was that in the Fort Saskatchewan store? We went to the actually Rabbit Hill. Oh, yeah. South Edmonton. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll let you know as well. November 9th at that Edmonton store, Dr. Parody is going to be there talking about mood and mental health. You can learn more at Friesen.com. Just check out the Healthy Insight link. Also wanted to give a shout out to our friends at Eden Landscaping. They're going to take like 
two seconds to relax. You know, they'll take two seconds to relax now that the snow has fallen, but then Mike and his team are right back at work. They, they're pulling property reports and they're starting the design process for their, their spring projects. It's never too soon. If you want to hit the ground running as soon as it thaws on bringing your outdoor space to life, never too soon to check out landscapeedmonton.ca. Mike and his team are ready to take your call and start looking through your Pinterest board to make sure that they nail it on that design. At Sherwood and St. Albert Dodge, man, they're ready for you right now. Of course, tis the time of year where whether it's swapping over to your winter tires, maybe it's getting that winter oil change done, or heck, maybe it's trading in what you're driving now for something you can feel more confident in, especially on those highway trips. That 4x4 Dodge Durango looking unbelievable. Up to $5,500 in total discounts available right now. St. Albert, Sherwood Dodge. Find them online. You can chat directly right there with a member of their sales team. And the team at Grand Dog Essentials wanted to remind you they're about more than just dogs. That's right. All the cat lovers in the Real Talk family. Check out their blog link at granddog.ca. A great entry there on how to build a raw diet for cats. And then you can take it from there as you look out for your furry family members. The promo code REALTALK at granddog.ca knocks 10% off your first time order. It's delivered right to your door in Calgary, Edmonton, and Central Alberta. That's Grand Dog Essentials Quality Raw Food. Dr. Dwayne Brad, a political scientist at Mount Royal University, uh, kind enough to, to check in this morning from the road. Uh, he's attending a conference, uh, but uh, find a, finds a little window in his schedule, and so we're lucky to snag him here live on this Monday morning. Where are you again? Remind me, Dwayne. I'm in Ottawa, and I'm giving up the morning coffee break to be with you. Oh, man. <laughs> Well, we sure appreciate it. Thanks very much for being here. Uh, we're going to get into this story implicating uh, Calgary City Councilor Sean Chu and HH. Uh, this woman speaking out on social media. You're a political scientist, so let me ask you this real quick. That clip from Christia Freeland talking about her family canceling Disney+. Plus. Uh, some people critical of it, saying it's the Marie Antoinette type idea. Some people saying, nah, she's trying to find real life solutions. How does it land with you? I, th I agree with you. I think it was tone deaf. I, you know, why didn't she also talk about avocado toast and your daily latte? Uh, it just it just seemed to be out of touch uh, for someone because it wasn't a whole list of things to deal with the cost of living. It was this is what we've done in our family, our family that makes a quarter million dollars a year. We can't afford Disney Plus anymore. All right, let me uh, let me cut to the uh, this story. This is uh, obviously I don't even oftentimes know how to talk about this story because I'm still in disbelief, quite frankly, that Sean Chu is still a Calgary City Councilor. I was I was shocked that he swore into office after uh, facts surfaced about you know his dismissal. I mean, what 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 wrapped up his career? The disgraceful scenario uh, with the Calgary Police Service, but H. H from the account HH Calgary 97. Uh, the woman, uh, now an adult, obviously it was 16 at the time, has started to speak out this weekend. And, and this is a story, as I understand it, that lands pretty close to home for you. You've been speaking with this person. Uh, yes, I have. She reached out to me uh, a couple months after the story broke a, a year ago. Uh, and we've had periodic phone calls, uh, even an in-person meeting, uh, some some emails um and she has you know shown me that this is not a story from 25 years ago 26 years ago it's a current story the uh she's not being assaulted but she is being harassed uh, and has been harassed uh in a horrendous way including uh 
you know, GPS detectors aimed at her son, the stalking of her family over the last year. Dr. Brad, for people that are unfamiliar with this story, uh, HH, uh, we'll call her, obviously uh, 16 years old at the time that, that something went down at a Husky House restaurant in Calgary. And then there was follow-up from then-Officer Chu, Constable Chu, at that time. Can For those that are relatively unfamiliar with the story, what, what do we need to know to move forward and start to analyze what's happening right now and the impact of her disclosure? So we have to go back a year's time during the Calgary municipal election and Megan Grant of CBC uh, posted a blockbuster story on the Friday before the Monday election about Sean Chu, uh, that he had been found in discreditable conduct by the Calgary Police Service uh, over these uh, incidents that had occurred. Um, and uh, there was uh, sanctions, small sanctions that were placed on him. Uh, but no criminal charges were laid, and they explained why there were no criminal charges that were laid. But the problem was there was a publication ban. They had this story for weeks, uh, but the publication ban was only lifted on the Friday, of, of which time many voters had already voted in advance polls. And so on Monday, Chu gets re-elected as a Calgary City Councillor by about 100 votes. And when you break down the uh, the votes on Election Day versus the advanced polls, it was the advanced polls that won to the election. Uh, so this was a horrendous case, uh, not something that had just occurred in, in the past. We're talking about someone who acknowledged in the hearing um, of what he said inappropriately touching this girl. Uh, and I'm going to use the word girl because she was 16 at the time. He was 34 in his police uniform, in his house. He gives a press conference well, not a press conference because he didn't take any questions, but he gave a statement about a week later after he'd been reelected. And um, he contradicted a lot of the known facts at the time. He kept saying over and over again, you know, I don't lie. I never lie. I don't lie. And it was a licensed establishment, licensed establishment, licensed establishment. Well, it was a Husky House restaurant where you go to get a hamburger and maybe get a beer to go with your hamburger. He described it as if it was a pub. And in fact, in other stories, he has said, you know, he did this in a walkthrough in his uniform at King's Head Pub. That's why he assumed that she was over the age of 18. Mm. Um, so we're, we're talking about a huge power differential police officer. Uh, we're talking about a, a minor who can't consent. Uh, and for a variety of reasons, criminal charges were not laid. There's been a subsequent investigation by the Calgary Police Service, and they said if they had to do it over again under current situation, like, for example, the creation of ASART uh, in 2008, the results would have been very, very different. Um, but that's where we that's where we were. So let me give I mean, there's a there's a, a thread of tweets and people can check them out. It's it's an open account. You can view it at HH Calgary 97. One of them, uh, quote, I will continue with the dismantling of Shanshu's lies in another thread. This thread uh, will discuss Shanshu's obsessive stalker like behavior toward me in the weeks after he sexually assaulted me, particularly the flood of abhorrent voicemails Shanshu left on my pager. Uh, what? particularly did HH reveal over the weekend that that really jumped out at you? I mean, it's all significant. 
Uh, and I don't want to, by the way, take for granted the personal side of this, how difficult this must be for her. And I know that this is difficult for a lot of people that are processing this as well, that have unfortunate personal experience in this context or in this regard. But what jumped out at you? At- there, there were two things that jumped out at me. The, the first were the um, messages, the voicemails, the text messages. Uh, and at that time, it was text on, on pagers in 1997, where Chu is trying to apologize for his behavior that night. But let's get together. Let's go for coffee, maybe go to a movie. This is classic abuser behavior right, where the harassment continues in sort of an apologetic manner. So that was one thing that struck at me. But again, that's still dealing with 1997, right? Um, Then it was the stuff around the GPS tracker in her kid's backpack. That is current. In other words, the harassment that she suffered was not a story in 1997, but it's a story that has been going on since um, the the uh, CBC Megan Grant piece and other outlets published it a year ago. Uh, the abuse, the harassment has been by Chu, but it's also been by a lot of enablers. These enablers are key political figures in Alberta, um, either uh, politicians, former politicians, uh, or political operatives. And so that is one of the reasons that that she came to me, uh, is because the abuse is continuing. She is being re-victimized. It was bad enough that they did this to her when she was 16. It's bad enough that the harassment continued after that night. It's a whole other story about the harassment in 2022 and 2021. And that's because this woman is known to travel in political circles. Uh, It's a um, kind of an open secret on who she is. I am not going to reveal her name. Others have tried to out her. Um, It's it's a sad, ongoing story. I want to reiterate that you're not commenting uh you know shooting from the hip on stuff that you've read on twitter or heard you have met with this person you've spoken with this person uh you've seen evidence that was released publicly before it was released and you've seen evidence that was not yet really that is not yet more more is more is coming out okay so Um, can, can what can you tell us about why you think that this commentary or these disclosures are happening now and how is this connected with other political operative scandals in the city of Calgary specifically? So I think it's coming up for, for a number of reasons. One is the harassment is continuing, right? And so you get to a certain point where it's like enough is enough. I need to go public. She has been going back and forth. You can imagine how traumatized she is, uh, how scared she is for her own life, her children's life, uh, uh, her boyfriend's career, um she's been forced to move there's been vandalism to her car um so i think that's one reason the other is that sean chu is back uh on cat on uh, council committees uh they said you know it's been a year so let's bygones be bygones and he's back on committees and there's been a whole series of other scandals involving some of the same people that are all emerging around this time are you uh are you uh, are you like hesitating on purpose to name names uh, or, or like are there people you could like are we talking about like Craig Chandler are we talking about Jonathan Dennis are we talking about all the guys that keep getting dragged in to the spotlight in, in what seemed to be this this one story with a whole bunch of tentacles 
Well, she had, I mean, we can talk about Jonathan Dennis because he was Sean Chu's lawyer. Um, and HH was outing him by saying he was the guy who encouraged her to bring in a publication ban uh, when uh, Megan Grant was digging around this. Um, we can raise this in the allegations from David Wallace, the, the political fixer who is turning on his clients over the sting around Nahed Nenshi that Sean Chu and Joe Maglioka fell for. I don't think they were part of the sting operation, but they fell for the sting operation by sending a public letter on city council letterhead to the consul general of Russia, inviting him to Calgary to help facilitate this investment of Russian billions of dollars in, in Calgary, which was an absurd plot to begin with. And so the fact that all of these stories are occurring is not a coincidence. They're all interconnected with the same group of, uh, of people. Um, and so uh, Dennis is probably the most high profile one, but his behavior is not the worst of what we have uh, uh, we have seen. OK, I need to know when you need to get back to your conference so I can plot out our next number of minutes. Do I have like four minutes left with you? you, or... you I will give you what you what OK, because I want right? to. This I... is this is a very important story and, and uh, very personal to me and, and more personal to HH. Uh, well, hugely personal. And I appreciate that, uh, Professor. And I don't want to jump off of this Sean Chu story to pursue sue the david wallace story or ask you about a couple of other things that i think are also important or very significant i, I mean i feel like we and not you but i feel like we're almost just even breezing by the like gps tracker placed in hh's child's backpack like yeah. that itself is justification for an explosive type scenario that's just one detail but you want to talk about intimidation i don't know what i would do if i found a gps in intimidation like sending photos uh, to HH, uh, being in a coffee shop a block from your house and just say, we're watching. <laughs> is that intimidation? Is that stalking? I mean, this is, I, I'm not a lawyer, so, <laughs> and, and I'm trying not to be sued again either. And I don't want to uh, put you in a tough spot like but that. This, but this looks like it requires some criminal investigation um, because this is, at the very least, um, stalking. So and where does where does this go from here? I mean, HH has promised more. Uh, obviously, people are this. This is not a type of scenario where you're talking about someone that used to be a city councilor or someone no, that's he's no still a city councilor. And I said at the time, it's difficult to remove a sitting city councilor, right? Um, especially if you have no sense of shame. Uh, I think he should have resigned. I said that a year ago when this stuff came out. Um, this is not, even if you accept the fact, oh, this is an old story, even if you accept that nothing has occurred differently since October of 2021, um, you would have thought that there would be a sense of shame that you acted this way as a police officer in your uniform. Um, and just because you were, uh, they, they put a reprimand in your, in your file and then that had to be destroyed five years later. None of that was put forward to to the voters, right? So he wins an election in very murky circumstances. I would have thought um, a, a normal person would have stepped down as a result of that, but he hasn't. He's battled it through. Um, 
I don't think you want a situation. Jody Gondek can't fire him. City council can't fire him. He's an independently elected official. Apparently, the government of Alberta does have that authority. It looked at the case and, and punted it. So there is a, a political dimension to this. But this goes well, well beyond Sean Chu. And this is kind of the problem, is that the people that are surrounding him are also deeply tied to the United Conservative Party. Yeah, who is who is this particularly politically inconvenient for? Who's sweating bullets today? Aside from Sean Chu. Yeah, you're asking me to name names again. Um, okay. But uh, I would think a lot of those people... So it's not just the operatives. I would also think that the people who have employed them, people who have worked with them, people who have been associated with them, people who have won campaigns as a result of them, uh, should also be concerned uh, that if these people were out harassing um, HH, have they been out harassing other people? Are these the type of people that you want to associate with? And so this is ripping the lid off some of the most unsavory backroom politics that this province has, uh, has seen. And, uh, and I think that's why this is an important political story that goes well beyond Sean Chu. It's a hugely important political story, and uh, it, it's one that I suspect is going to grow and grow in prominence. We really appreciate you giving us your insights, your informed insights, uh, Dwayne, at this stage. And of course, people will be paying closer attention and demanding accountability here in a number of different contexts, I think. Let me ask you quickly about two things, and we'll let you get back to your conference. Really appreciate this. The Canada land story, people are picking up on it. You referenced it. David Wallace, the so-called political fixer, uh, alleging that he was involved in a plot where Calgary Conservatives we're trying to be trapped and oust then mayor Nahed Nenshi. It's been some big names floated. I talked about Cal Wenzel just the other day in the Alberta Business Hall of Fame. He's given twenty million to the School of Medicine at the university. This is this is not small potatoes type stuff. I'm trying to figure out David Wallace's play here. Like he doesn't exactly come across as a person of integrity to be trusted, right? He's the one that tried no. to orchestrate the whole thing. He's not uh, crystal absolutely. clear. But but you often get those are the people on the inside who, when they, whether he has seen Jesus or had some sort of, you know, health scare, that he is going after the people that hired him, the people that he worked with, the people he did favors for. That's the only way that this stuff comes forward, right? There are no, it, you know, it's it's like a uh, um, an organized crime trial, right, where, where the lower end people turn on the top people. There's no innocent people here. And Wallace, it's tough because on the one hand, you know, he is revealing some truths. He's got some evidence. On the other there's a lot of storytelling going on. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I know people are jumping on the linkage uh, with the Nancy plot and Daniel Smith. I've never bought any of that. It was like a throwaway comment. She wouldn't even be raised if she wasn't the, the premier, but it makes for a better story. But at the same time, when you see the letter from Chu and Maglioka, when you hear the comments from Giancarlo Cara, when you see some of the text messages, there was a plot going on. Right. He's got the receipts on that. And so it's it's how do you get through some of the smoke and mirrors? That's the tough problem here. What do you believe and what don't you believe?
Uh, we, we love to support other independent. Well, they're not independent, but you know what I'm talking about. Great Alberta based media, political commentators. I want people to check out the, the most recent West of Center pod. You did a great job on there. Kathleen Petty. Love that show. You talked about Janet Brown's polling, uh, sort of the, as, as Jason Markisov described her, the polling maven of Alberta that suggests that uh, Albertans believe that or feel that Rachel Notley's uh, more, more likable. The NDP is trending up and in, in the right directions. Uh, Janet Brown's number last week, which we got into on a couple of different episodes, suggest that this next election, May of next year, would be Rachel Notley's to lose. Uh, in closing, uh, your general comments as you process these numbers coming up on a week later, and, and what do you think the implications are for Alberta's premier? Still relatively early in her tenure, Danielle Smith is. Yeah, but she's had no honeymoon. Yeah. Um, typically, the old playbook out of the Conservatives, and it, it, it has worked, is they get rid of an unpopular leader, uh, new leader comes in, there's a jump in popularity, and they go on and, and win the next election. So the fact that there's been no bump uh, for Danielle Smith, I think, is, is deeply pro- problematic because typically you're at your highest popularity the moment that you uh, win, and then everything else is a slide downward. So if she's already low, uh, what does a slide downward uh, look like? She still has the tools of government. There's a lot of things that she can uh, do. But when we look at the data from 2018, it was obvious when we did the first road ahead that the NDP was in trouble a year out. Uh, and sure enough, that's occurring or that that happened in the 2019 election. Here we're looking at similar bad news where you're trailing on every major issue from healthcare to pipelines to government honesty. Uh, Is the die cast six months out? Uh, Professor Dwayne Bratt, really appreciate your time. We'll let you get back to your conference. Thanks for the insights and speaking as candidly as you can on an important story. Okay. Thanks, Ryan. You got it. Uh, Dwayne Bratt's been uh, obviously instructing and, and quite frankly steering the ship of the faculty over there in politics and uh, public policy at Mount Royal University of Calgary for a long time. Give him a follow on Twitter at Dwayne Bratt. We know there's a lot that he can't. So you remember the last time Dwayne was on the show, he was talking about getting sued, right? Uh, and, and and that's by like when I, you know, I don't mean to put him in a tough spot. We want to keep the interview real, but also acknowledge there's things he can't talk about. And the whole Craig Chandler thing, and I invoke that guy's name. It's, it's you know, obviously been quite prominent and public knowledge that there's uh, action happening there, legal action happening there right now. So there are some things that, that Dr. Bratt can't talk about, but I thought that he he navigated that uh, as best he could. Uh, this is a story that we'll continue to follow, and obviously you can send us information in trust anytime uh, to talk at ryanjesperson.com. want to get to a couple of emails uh, from Ron and Devin that we received over the weekend. Charles Adler is going to join us in just a moment as well. That conversation, that interview was presented by our friends at Park Power. They have been powering the Real Talk RJ hashtag since this show launched. This is the time of year where whether your home is heated with, you know, maybe some people are using more space heaters. You have an electrical setup. Some of you are probably going to be using natural gas. We're going to use more utilities. The colder it gets, it's a great time to compare rates at parkpower.ca. Bundle electricity, natural gas, and internet together to save on admin costs and save a further $70 on your first bill by using the promo code 2022-REALTALK when you sign up at parkpower.ca. Apex Automation is looking for the most talented engineers in the country. They're growing their team. As a matter of fact, they've tripled their team in the past couple of years. Why? Well, because there's more demand for automation firms like theirs that are giving people back their time. What does that mean tangibly? Better corporate culture, 
They want their engineers home with their families at night. So they're opening field offices to be closer to their clients. They want people to make sure that the quality of life is always there. Check out the careers link today at apexautomation.ca. Learn more about what they're doing in engineering, fabrication, and automation based out of several offices in Western Canada and the Southern United States. What an exciting growth story for them. Keep it local. Whether you're a business owner, perhaps you've got a, a, a restaurant, maybe a small retail location, maybe something big, a mall, a hotel. If it's in Alberta or Saskatchewan, you're going to want to check out localenvironmental.ca today. Better service, better prices, more support for local causes. It's more than garbage and recycling to local environmental services. Of course, you can request a quote online, localenvironmental.ca. And don't forget, they present Trash Talk every Friday right here on the show. Our dear friend Charles Adler makes time for us every Monday morning. We look forward to it through the week, and uh, I've been looking forward to getting his take on this one. This is kind of a gut instinct take. Uh, as we say good morning to Chuck, Charles, you know, of course, Christia Freeland, the finance minister, the deputy prime minister, has, uh, of course, got Canadians talking with her comments on saving a few bucks, on trying to, to dampen the, the impact of inflation on the on the family's budget. And here's what she had to say about her subscription to Disney Plus just a couple of days ago. And I think Canadian families are looking really closely at all of their expenses. I personally, as a mother and wife, look carefully at my credit card bill once a month. And last Sunday, I said to the kids, you're older now, you don't want to watch Disney anymore. Let's cut that Disney Plus subscription. So we cut it. It's only $13.99 a month that we're saving. But every little bit helps. And I think every mother in Canada is doing that right now. So, Chuck, is this Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake or, or, or is this or is this? No, no, no. It's a common sense place to start. <laughs> oh, it's not Marie. It's not Marie Antoinette. It's political tin ear Antoinette. I know that no matter what I say, I'm going to be accused of mansplaining because I'm a man. and Christy Freeland is a woman. But let, let, let's put the, um, you know, juvenile stuff aside for a moment. Christy Freeland has money. She had lots of money coming into the job. She's married into lots of money. She's got money. She's got privilege. She has no business pretending that she is in the shoes of the average person. And so when politicians are told by certain communications experts who are not expert at all, but when they're told you've got to pretend or you've got to at least identify with because you need empathy, you've got to identify with the average person so you've got to say things like, you know what, I think we'll cut the Disney Plus. Don't. Just don't do that. People understand that you're for money. There's no reason to do it. I hate to use the example of the royals because I know that too is a great Canadian polarizer. But can you imagine uh, the late queen saying, I understand that the British people have a problem with inflation. Right. Philip and I, Philip and I have decided to cut the, come on, what, we've got, uh, we, we, we're going to have fewer horses at Balmoral. We've uh, corgis. Yeah. I mean, come on. Please, we, we've moved the corgis that. off Chilean sea bass to salmon. <laughs> I mean, when Christian Freeland and others try to do that kind of thing, uh, they turn themselves into Monty Python sketches or or, or punchlines for Ryan Jesperson. You know, you're 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 paid as finance minister. You're paid to take care of the budget. You're paid to take care of the billions of dollars of debt and trying to figure out how the hell we can climb out of the swamp. You're not paid to pretend 
that you've got a problem with Disney Plus. I agree with you. And also, and I'm not, like I said to Johnny earlier and to the audience, I'm not trying to play it safe on this one. Like, I'll plant my flag. I'll have a strong opinion if I have a strong opinion. But to be honest with you on this one, I do get what she's trying. And people are going to, dog dad, by the way, nice mug. And people people are going to be saying, people are going to be, be saying like, oh, really? You guys are going to spend five minutes talking about some stupid throwaway Disney Plus comment. But it's a bigger picture conversation about yeah. political political comms, political communication. Probably the most prominent one of the past few years was, was her boss, the prime minister, uh, you know, asked by a reporter, a pretty innocuous, innocuous question. What's something that your family has done to be more environmentally friendly? And he wanted to talk about the cardboard water boxes instead of water water bottles but he got all yeah. tied and twisted up and and came across as someone that couldn't relate to the general public or the average person i think with christia freeland if somebody said you know what's something your family's doing or what's one way or what's your message to canadians or how are you impacted by inflation and and she said i don't know to be honest i haven't noticed a difference that would be even worse you know here, here's the brutally honest answer the brutally honest answer is i only wish that every canadian had the same privilege, the same balance sheet that my husband and I have. Mm. If they did, inflation would be a nuisance. For many of us, it's a nuisance. For many of us, it's a political nuisance. But for many other people, it's the choice between medicine and food. And we understand how fortunate we are. We hope that someday many more people are as fortunate as we are. But we honestly cannot pretend that we suffer with inflation the way regular people do yeah uh, david on our live chat and i get where david's coming from as well says oh heaven forbid christian freeland makes an example of saving money we get it she has money and privilege this seems to be a bit of a cheap shot says david if she doesn't show empathy she'd be painted as elitist when we have such big political problems this seems super picky and a cheap shot David's sending us a big eye roll on this. Hey, David, call him how you see him, man. We appreciate that. That's real talk, you know, and, and that's fine. I, I just think it's interesting to see this. You can't deny this. This was like a story this weekend. I mean, I'm not. It's, I didn't find this in some corner of obscure newsroom cuttings that didn't, you know, the, that fell on the edit room floor. People were talking about this across the country. They, they, they were. And by the way, uh, with all due respect to our, our wonderful listener, and I'm sure that many are saying exactly what he's saying. Uh, if real talk, like real, not just real talk, the, the brand of this program, real talk, if real talk was absent cheap shots, there would be no talk at all. <laughs> cheap shots are a part of a part of life and a part of conversation. Look, in 1992, uh, people who are political junkies remember James Carville, it's the economy stupid. That was a line that worked very well because in 1992, the economy in the United States and Canada and around the world, uh, was in trouble as, as it is right now. And so uh, George W. Bush, uh, got, not George W. Bush, George W. Bush's dad, uh, George Bush, uh, running against Bill Clinton and Ross Perot, George Bush got into a lot of trouble because they too tried to make him uh, look like he was feeling the pain of the ordinary American. And so they went uh, and took him on a trip to the supermarket. And at the checkout counter, he couldn't help but get fascinated by the the scanner, and he started asking people about this this scanner. Of course, the scanner had been around for a long, long time, but George Bush was a wealthy guy, and he hadn't spent time in his real life in, in supermarkets, maybe hadn't been in a supermarket 30 or 40 years. So he looked foolish because of the scanner, and it was in the news. And yes, David, it was cheap talk, um, blah, 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 uh, cheap shot talk 
uh, for, for several days in the United States and for people who follow the United States uh, around the world. Uh, Kimberly says, I hard disagree with Charles. And Justin says, it's a great take by Charles. And so this is good. We're all gathering here. We're all congregating and hammering this out, Chuck. Uh, Christian Freeland obviously was, was there. The reason she's in front of the cameras talking about the fall economic update. Uh, I wanted to pick your brain on, on something specific. I don't know if you care about this or not. Uh, for a lot of people, this is very relevant. Uh, the federal yeah. government says that it's going to invest what's going to be hundreds of millions off the top and ultimately uh, several billion dollars to make all student loans in Canada interest-free, and that includes loan payments that are currently happening. In other words, it'll be retroactive to loans that have existed before this policy. I think most people would agree that financial barriers exist uh, for many would-be post-secondary students. How do you feel? You think that this is good policy, a good investment, making student loans interest-free? Uh Pardon me for uh, slipping on the socialist uh, banana peel. I, I do happen to admire some socialist, uh, so-called socialist countries that really understand capitalism much better than many of us do and do capitalism and the uh, public service very well. That would be the uh, countries uh, that are considered the happiest in the world, the ones who are even happier than we Canadians. That would be the Norwegians, the Swedes, the Danes. Uh, they have uh, universities where you don't have to worry about student loans. Universities are covered uh, for the students, no different than a high school is covered and elementary school is covered. And that's the system I think that we uh, need to evolve toward. I mean, in the meantime, I'm OK with cutting the interest on student loans. But I think long term, uh, as part of the social safety net, uh, universities uh, should not be taking uh, students in based on the, the, the level of income. That's something that uh, I think uh, ought to we ought to have universal access to. And that's called education at all levels. Yeah, we, we talked to Elamine Abdul-Mahmoud about this uh, uh, quite some time ago when his book came out, talking about whether or not post-secondary should just be free uh, in Canada. I know someone's going to light their hair on fire and write in and say, nothing's free. It's like we don't have free health care. We pay for it. Taxpayers yeah, I got it. cover yeah. it. You know, but, okay. but, but I mean, we'll, we'll stipulate. We'll stip, let, let, let me stipulate. Nothing, nothing, nothing is free. Got it. Nothing's free. No argument. 10-4. Yeah. Moving on. Moving right along. But I think that there could be a bigger conversation. And, and Elamine was talking about how he couldn't wrap. People can can Google this or search our, our archives for it. Uh, he, he was quite surprised that that wasn't something that Jagmeet Singh has, had, had dug his feet on in a position of relative influence, sort of, if you want to call it, propping up this federal liberal government up until 2025. If I were Jagmeet Singh and I uh, wanted to make sure that I got a toehold on the on the next election, that's a promise that I would make, and the, and I and I would say that if we do a, a deal, whatever they call the deal, they've got some sophisticated name for it, but whatever deal gets cut with uh, whichever government, uh, liberals, conservatives, whoever's in power, uh, Jagmeet Singh, as part of his bargaining, ought to go for in the next four years, next five years, whatever it is, a free uh, university education, university free post secondary education, because of course it's not just university. You uh, you tweeted uh, on November fifth, just a couple of days ago, over the weekend, and I, I, I love paying attention to your Twitter. I feel like it just it like fires up over the weekend right before we get to talk to you, which is always just a recipe for success. Charles Adler, our guest, obviously RTDNA Lifetime Achievement Award winner. Uh, you tweet all doubt removed. The Notley NDP is the party closest to Alberta's political center, and I read that and I thought, yeah, I agree. I've heard Rachel Notley described as the most conservative NDP premier in Canadian history. But the question is, do Albertans care? Take us into this one. I, I think Albertans 
care. I think Canadians care about uh, whoever the CEO is, whether it's the CEO of the government of Canada, the government of Saskatchewan, government of Alberta, whatever. Uh, they, they want CEOs to be balanced uh, people. They don't want them to be uh, ideologues. They don't want them to be snake oil salesmen. And if you want to look at uh, political power and stability in the country, uh, the ideal would be the Alberta PCs. Anybody who says the Alberta PCs ruled or governed for as many years as they did because they were right wing, you know, needs an education, whether, whether the education is free or not, but honestly needs an education. They were down the middle. They were perceived as the most centered, most balanced party. Everybody, whether they, it was uh, to the right of them, left of them, everybody compared to the Alberta uh, PCs was considered radical. And today you'd have to say, I don't mean to speak for, you know, the ghost of Peter Lougheed, but you'd have to say that Danielle Smith, by Alberta standards, historic standards, is a radical. He's not, he's not a conservative at all. He's a radical. He's out there. And yes, she does make Rachel Notley look very much like the Alberta center right now. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting to see because I because I, I pay attention to, to dialogue around us. Th- this show, people have been trying to pin down this show. I've seen it described as a progressive talk show. I've I've seen it described as a centrist church. Uh, and then some people sort of spit that word out of their mouth. Right? It's that kind of like uh, that biblical principle. If you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. People want hot and cold. People want black and white. They want right and left. Uh, and so I'd be curious to see if a if if a premier or an option for a premier closest to the center resonates with people. I mean, you find examples everywhere you look on on where Premier Smith is is taking her direction. And, and make no mistake, every day is a campaign day these days. Uh, Dylan Short from Post Media reporting just a, a day ago that that uh, the premier confirming former Trump advisor medical advisor dr paul alexander who advocated for herd immunity has been invited to alberta to meet with officials uh, including government officials Uh, more and more of these types of scenarios you know i i I referenced i asked daniel smith about this directly inviting theron flurry to a campaign stop when she was seeking the leadership of the united conservatives that's another example there's probably a hundred more if people are looking for pragmatic steady middle of the road uh, sort of represent us all type leadership these types of stunts could backfire big time if she's doubling down on the far right the hard right the ardent big c right-wing conservatives this type of stuff could play and, and it could win her the election remains to be seen look if you're inviting people like this guy alexander i mean this guy alexander has called uh, vaccines bioweapons this guy is a, a guest of alex jones I mean, just ask yourself this. I mean, you know, Albertans have some money and there's money coming in right now because uh, the price of uh, oil and gas is is rather high. Do you really want government dollars spent on Alex Jones' guest list? I mean, if if you've got a choice of bringing in the most brilliant people around the world to advise the premier, to advise the government, the the people of Alberta, we're talking talking about democracy here. Should democracy be investing money in Alex Jones' guest list? I want to read something to you uh, before we thank you for your time, Charles. Uh, you've shared with us in past about your dad, Mike, and, and, and your family and, and uh, the impact of, of the Holocaust and concentration camps on your family. Ron uh, took the time to send us an email on Friday, and he said, uh, these are just a couple of thoughts from a, a concerned listener. He said, from Kanye's comments, 
to far-right protesters flying banners, saying things like Kanye was right with his anti-Semitic comments, uh, to the harassment that I see online of, of, from Jewish creators on the Internet, the things that they're facing, he says, on platforms like, like Instagram. On a near-daily basis, Ron says, I see them. Uh, the rise in all of it, extremely concerning to me. As a student of history, I've seen where these things lead. One of, if not the worst moments in world history, began because of these hateful beliefs. And now I know things aren't the same, maybe, as they were in the 30s and into the 1940s. But I feel if we're not careful, not vigilant, things could easily spiral to that dark place once again. He says, I wanted to share my thoughts and, and get them out there in the world. And because of the platform that Real Talk has, I think that it's in a prime position to kickstart discussions on important things like this. That from Ron. And I thought, well, I know who I can put this in front of. It, it's Charles Adler. What would you say to Ron? And, and what do you think is important to talk about right now? Everybody, I mean, Amy Schumer hosting Saturday Night Live over the weekend, wearing a Love Jews shirt, uh, a wisecrack at Kanye. Uh, this is relevant and timely. You know, it's harvest time. Uh, I think about harvest time uh, every year, maybe not for the same reasons that others do, not because I grew up in, um, in you know, in, in the agriculture sector. Uh, I think about harvest time because I think about um, what was most uh, difficult uh, for my uh, my late grandfather who owned a general store, Adler's General Store, in a little, little village in, in Hungary. And harvest time was most difficult because when there wasn't a good harvest, when there wasn't a good crop, there was no bloody way that my grandfather was going to allow uh, the families who counted on him, who were the farm families, uh, to not have food. So he made sure they had food, whether they could pay for it or not. And he made sure the kids had shoes, whether they could pay for them or not. Yes, they got credit. Sometimes the credit got paid back. Sometimes they didn't because sometimes you had bad crops for more than one and two years in a row. So harvest time was a difficult time for him because the money had to come from somewhere. As he said earlier, nothing is for free. So my grandfather gave and he gave and he gave. And then one day harvest time wasn't the most difficult time of the year. Uh, what was most difficult was uh, the takeover of the uh, country that he was so faithful to uh, by, uh, by the Nazis. And uh, they came for him, and they came for his children, and they came for his father, and they came for them, and they also came for the store. And the store was looted. And many of the looters were people who my grandfather had been helping out all of these years. Uh, it's very, very difficult. Um, that's a very difficult issue on so many different levels. But for me, it's most difficult on the level of betrayal. I don't expect uh, a Nazi to be kind to a Jew or anyone else, uh, but I do want our neighbors to think about their neighbors. And I do think of Canada as uh, a community of neighbors. Uh, I think that uh, all of us uh, have got to have a certain empathy for each other. It's one of the reasons why I was so troubled and still am troubled by this you know, anti-vax um, business where so much of the information is coming from the, the Alex Jones guest list. But bottom line, as far as Kanye West is concerned and where our society is going, I think that your writer is on point. And I want people to understand this. You don't have to love Jews like the Saturday night uh, live uh, host. You don't even have to like Jews. I just need you to understand this, that groups always begin 
with the Jews. It's easiest to get, for whatever reason, over thousands of years, easiest to get people to hate. It's easiest to get them to hate the Jews. But the Jews are the canaries in the coal mine. Those people who hate Jews hate other people do. In truth, they hate themselves. But ultimately, as far as you and your family are concerned, they hate you. And so when you say to yourself, maybe they're only coming for the Jews, they may be coming for the Jews first, but eventually they come for all of us. Charles Adler joins us Mondays right here on Real Talk. You can follow him, engage with him on Twitter at Charles Adler. Thanks for doing this. You bet. Ron sent us that email to talk at ryanjesperson.com. If, if that or something else that we're talking about today is resonating with you, we'd love to hear from you. Take some time. I mean, oftentimes we'll get correspondence from people that are commenting on shows that were a week or a month or, or in some cases a year ago. You can view our archive anytime, of course, on YouTube. Thanks to everybody that's subscribing. And uh, you can, of course, find us on all the podcast platforms as well, including Spotify, Apple, and the like. That conversation with Charles Adler was presented by our wonderful friends at the Dairy Queens of South Edmonton. No, what am I talking? South Edmonton. They should add Dairy Queens in South Edmonton. Maybe we can get in on that one. The Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton at Sherwood Park. I'm talking Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount. That's my home Dairy Queen. And Baseline Road in Sherwood Park. Beautiful facelift there, by the way. The Fall Blizzard Collection is out as it... The snow pounds down around us in real life. Why not? Hey, go all in with one of the fabulous blizzards that are there just for a limited time, including the Cinnamon Roll Center Blizzard, the Pumpkin Pie Blizzard topped with real whipped cream, and, of course, this new Score Caramel Brownie Cup Faction. John and I agreeing, I think, last week, Score, one of the most underrated chocolate bars out there. Yeah, very top shelf. I feel who's ever eating Score is also... Do you have any Grey Poupon? They've, all, they've got everything kind of figured out at a and higher a level. Score cup It's like when you see someone that matches their belt to their shoes. You think that person's got it all together. Ooh, At the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park. You thought I didn't notice that this morning, <laughs> didn't you, John? <laughs> you see this email from uh, Devin about WestJet. Had you been paying attention to this over the weekend? I WestJet saw, yeah. had, had like a major systems failure. This is one of those nightmare and you, nightmares, and, and you look at the, the teams that are involved in, in the logistics side of things, and, and boy, oh boy, it was an absolute disaster. And, of course, it was impacting people in a lot of ways. Devin wrote in to say, uh, he said, I don't know if, if Real Talk is aware of what's going on at WestJet. He sent this on Sunday, just yesterday. He says, the systems crashed over the weekend. All the customers across North America stranded. Devin said the worst part, zero communication. And the frontline staff had really no idea what to tell anybody. How much of a nightmare is that, right? Your frontline staff and you don't have word from the top or you don't have word from the managers on what you're supposed to be doing? Oh, my gosh. And, of course, you're the front-facing ones like at the departure gate or at check-in. You get all the heat. Oh, man. Oh, man. (sighs) So Devin said, I mean, at least they're making three hundred grand a year, right? (laughs) At least it's all worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Six weeks vacation, three hundred grand a year. They have a driver bringing them to work. I'm sure they probably have those massaging chairs behind the desk, right? They get the, the massage while they check everybody in. Of course, I'm being facetious. Devin says uh, frontline staff had no idea what to tell anybody. We had a flight to Toronto canceled. Lucky enough, you know, we were able to return home. Now we're getting an Air Canada flight. We're trying to make our way down to Florida. I asked Devin for an update. We'll see if they made their way down. He says, again, uh, we're the lucky ones. Said, I really feel bad for the parents pushing strollers. The seniors who aren't sure about how to pivot. 
said it's bad enough everything's gone to shit, but zero communication from WestJet is appalling. Check out Twitter. He says you'll get a real picture of what's happening everywhere, including everybody's total frustration. He said, I'm not seeing really anything on the news. Wanted to let somebody know that from Devin. We sure appreciate, I mean, number one, just wanted to say we really appreciate when you're in touch with us. When you say, here, something's happening in the world around us. We're not sure if anybody knows about this. You can submit tips to us anytime. Uh, but I was paying attention on Twitter, just did a quick search. Yeah. And people are saying this is just an example. This is from Andy Tyra says this is an example of like bad technical operations culture. WestJet having a multi-hour incident impacting the entire United States, preventing boarding, check-in, basically all passenger activity, zero public comms issued here or otherwise, no communication, no timeline to resolution. Absolutely embarrassing, right? people are then going to WestJet's <laughs> bio on their site says we're online and available to help 24 seven. And he says, bold claims. So this is tough for people that are, you know, uh, Amesky says I'm stuck in LA. There's no media, no update, nothing on Twitter, nothing. This is ridiculous. WestJet tweeting back. We are aware of a system wide outage. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> Impacting operations, actively working to restore service. We apologize for the inconvenience. Mm. Ay, ay, ay. Mm-hmm. You ever, have you ever had a frontline-facing job like that? You ever been like on the front line dealing with no, customer like, dissatisfaction? I don't know how I feel about this story because like, like whose fault was it? Probably like like a, a few people in tech or something or... It might actually be nobody's fault. update like some sort of data systems, you know, yeah. like... But then who's getting the brunt of it? Yeah. All those people at the front who make minimum wage or... It reminds me know. of the, 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 the hosts and hostesses, the, 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 the people at the very front of restaurants mm-hmm. that are typically, maybe along with the expediters, we call them the expos in the kitchen, mm-hmm. that are kind of like putting the orders together. Uh, those are typically the youngest... Uh-huh. Tip- typically, yeah. I mean, unless like a mate or D, sometimes it's the restaurant owner at the front, but but typically it's the younger staff mm-hmm. that are seating you, that are bringing you to your table, getting you the menus, maybe giving you your, your glass of water or whatever to get started. And and through COVID, uh, in particular, the when the mask mandates were in and mm-hmm. when restaurants could cautiously reopen, but they had to show vaccine passports and things like that. It, it was these, you know, 15, 16, 17 year olds that oftentimes were being berated at the front. It was brutal. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the worst. Where's my table? Why isn't it ready yet? I I don't know. Yeah, I don't set I don't, the tables. I don't best. book the. I, I don't set public. <laughs> I don't set public health policy, sir, on the vaccine mandate. I just, I just have to check. I just have to check. <laughs> hey, here's something to, to brighten your day, and, and we love this story. We're going to wrap with this today. You probably, re- I mean, every Monday, our great friends at, at Kubi Renewable Energy present positive reflections. Right? It's an opportunity for us to feature the stories that you've sent us. Sometimes it's a photo or a video that might be going viral. Or is, hey, just ahead of going viral online. We love breaking stories here on Positive Reflections. But this week's edition is an update on a Real Talk contest presented by Kubi Energy last year. Do you remember this? You remember when there was a free solar system install up for grabs? It was our net zero contest presented by Kubi Energy, and we put it out to Real Talk. We asked you to nominate somebody that deserved to go net zero or as close as Kubi Energy could get them. Well, hey, we put the vote out to you, Real Talkers, and you'll remember by a resounding final score, you wanted to see Joey's home 
at the Winifred Stewart Association as the recipient of those solar panels. Well, I'm really excited to let you know that the team at Kubi Energy, they beat the snowfall, John. Nice. And over the past few days, <laughs> there they were at the Winifred Stewart Association's Joey's Home. Of course, this home established in honor of and at the time with the blessing of Edmonton legend Joey Moss. Uh, Joey's home provides a, a safe living place for adults with developmental disabilities to live independently with the proper supports. And now it's going to be even more budget friendly thanks to the install team at Kubi Energy. Real talkers, these panels would not be on the roof at Joey's home if it wasn't for you casting your votes when we ran that contest. We want to give a big shout out to you. And of course, we're going to be updating you over the next number of months as we better understand the impact that that solar install will have when it comes to the Winifred Stewart Association and the amazing work that they do. I want to direct you to winifredstewart.com where you can learn more about how they're empowering people and inspiring dreams. And of course, don't forget, you can go to kubienergy.ca to get your free solar quote today. They might not be up on your roof in the ice and snow, but their team's got to design the install. There may be some considerations involved, so it's great to get a head start now. So first thing comes spring, Kubi's installers will be up on your roof in Alberta and BC with their Tesla certified installers. You can send us your positive reflection. Maybe you saw someone pay it forward. Maybe it was a random act of kindness. Maybe it was a video that just brought you to tears of laughter. Talk at ryanjesperson.com is where you can hit us up. Of course, our hashtag RealTalkRJ. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to chat with a former diplomat, uh, Jeff White, the author of a new book that gets into the rise of populism in Canada, but it takes a different angle on Alberta's relationship in Confederation. It's kind of a cool one. Coming up later this week, we're going to talk to Zipporah Berman about COP27. And then, as mentioned, our Real Talk Roundtable presented by Urban Timber will observe Remembrance Day. That's coming up on Friday, November 11th. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for being a part of today's show. Real Talk is hosted by Ryan Jesperson, executive producer Josh Dunford, technical producer John Hicks, general manager Katie Cook-Chivers, account coordinator Lawrence Durlego, human resources Lena Shepard, website design Mike Johnston, voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjasperson.com.